I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Before I say it, I have something else to say it. I have something else to say <laughs> to all of the to all of the sick boy fans out there that are anti-vaxxers. You might want to cover your ears. You're speaking. To, you're speaking my language. Fighte. Uh, this is a, a headline from Global News. And this actually came out. Uh, Y'all know I love my aunt, my aunt my my aunt vax community. Oh my god, out, you guys! Uh, this came out today. This is like fresh, fresh news. Call my Global aunties, Katie Dangerfield. Uh, Canada will have vaccine infrastructure in place around Christmas. First doses in January. How about that for uh, for uh, a little a little. Uh, a little holiday cheer. You know, I, I have been, um, I have been, uh, so I, we, w- people on the show know that uh, I teach yoga. You might not know that I own a, a yoga studio. I own th- three yoga studios. And so like local business, we're shut down right now. Can't, we're completely <clears throat> shut down. Um, and so like that weighs on me in terms of like what COVID <clears throat> is. Uh, obviously, um, people's health weighs on me. Most like, you know, I, I don't have, I don't have like very many people in my life that are, um, like really close to me that are, that are like fully compromised, but there are a few and hey, obviously, obviously hey. Jair is included hey. in that. And so that is like, that weighs on me, dude, it, it was coming. It was coming. And, uh, and, 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 you know, um, I, I practice investing and, and, and that weighs on me in terms of like the outlook on, like financially the financial outlook of my life and everything like that and the vaccine news has been it started it started to feel like when you are when you are uh working out and you're doing and you and you know that you're like you're three quarters of the way there and you've just got a little bit left you've just got to suffer for a little, a little bit longer Ooh. before it comes to an end or, or, or you're, or like, I don't know if you're in school, like the fucking exams are coming up. You've just got to jam mm. all that knowledge into your fucking brain for just a little bit longer, write the test and you're fucking home clear. Like it, it feels like a light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccine, like the vaccine news that has come out in the last month has been so massive for the state of the world that we're in mm. with not just one vaccine that is massively promising but three vaccines and that are all sort of like different in different ways and affect people in different ways and are for different populations of people like specifically the the Oxford 
um, the Oxford, um, is it Oxford Astra, AstraZeneca? I think it is that are that are partnered up on that one. That's specifically yeah, the, targeting, the targeting one that, the older populations. Yeah, and it has to be mm. taken anally. It's like an anal injection. Yep, yep. yep. Yeah. It's, it's inserted, and it has to be something that's at least two inches in diameter. Isn't it that? Isn't that that <laughs> new custom organ. vessel that they designed? It's yeah, the custom, glass one with the um, custom it, anal vessel is what they're and calling it. it. <laughs> and it's, and it's in an glass, beaded form. But it's beaded mm-hmm. and it's glass, mm-hmm. and it actually dissolves over time. But you have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it works better if you apply friction to it. So if right, you yeah, move yeah. it vigorously yeah, right. inside, yeah, it's like a, it's like and it actually dissolves like quicker. A, yeah, it's like a dissolvable. It's like a dissolvable uh, vitamin, but for your <laughs> for, for your ass. Do yeah. you guys? Um, I I, sh- I shouldn't say this, but. Uh, that what you just said reminded me of something that actually exists. Are you, are you guys familiar with um with cum popsicles? No, oh, <laughs> I thought we weren't. I thought we weren't talking about your mom's house references. Today. It's not. It's not even. <laughs> this is a. This is a. Anyway, uh, continue, Tay. Oh, I'm just. I, 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 oh wait, you're gonna say that and then no. Yeah, yeah, now I want to know what the talk about it. temperatures for cum. Would it be like water? <laughs> higher or lower? I feel like it freezes fast because it goes from. It gets pretty viscous pretty quick. Like yeah. if you were gonna layer a cum popsicle, like like water, cum, and oil, which, like what order would even, they be in? I feel like you don't even oh, have to okay. put it in the freezer. I think you just put it in the fridge, and it would probably become a solid. Oh my god! Guys. <laughs> I, I now now I feel like I have to say it, and there's gonna be so many people that it's are like a meringue. Really, there's so many people that are really upset right now listening to this because <laughs> because they're they're on their they're on their drive home from somewhere and they were like I'm gonna tune into CBC Radio <laughs> now they're hearing me talk about cum popsicles cum popsicles is a it's a uh, my friend I, mean, Yip, I think my, I know what it is my friend <laughs> well well my friend Yip told me about it and uh, uh, Yip over in Amsterdam shout out buddy I, I love Yip. you Yip. Um, Yip, 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 Yip. Uh, it's where you it's where oh my god it's where you freeze. Uh, a uh a a bunch of built a bunch of cum uh in the shape of a in the shape of a dildo uh like in a cast of a dildo and then you uh and then you and then you and then you fuck it wow oh wow is that is that like is that what they do for in vitro yeah that's what i was thinking actually (laughs) actually next week uh on monday we are covering in vitro so we will get into this topic uh stay tuned okay anyway go on taylor please we we digress no i very much enjoyed that little aside that we went on there i was just i not really much further than that i'm just like i feel like it's a light at the end of the tunnel i feel like the first three or four months of 2021 are going to be like are going to be like the last the last mm. month of school. Like we're we're gearing up, we're getting ready for a fucking, I mean, a, a a massive global mental vacation from the. I mean, not that it's it, going to be just like a quick turnaround. Like we, no, everyone's going to get the vaccine. It's going to be a, a lot to rollout, it. and there's going to be Did a lot you, to um, it. But like, but for but for businesses and people who have loved ones who are and friends who are who are compromised, like I think. The, mm. Just like the mental relief of knowing that it's not going to be, at least we think, up in limbo anymore and like a complete question mark on all this shit, mm-hmm. I think. Is yeah, because in April, in April, it was like, will we ever get a vaccine? Yeah. You know, like that was like, that was, you know, that was a very real did, talking point. Did you guys listen to the vaccine episode uh, on the daily when they were talking about like how it will be distributed? It was like distributed. Uh, no, it I, was I, did, I didn't listen to it. Yet, Monday no. or Tuesday this week. The, the interesting thing that um, the Trump that, vaccine. 
<laughs> uh, I'm never. I, I, but that guy should be Baltimore from now on. Like the name that you do not say. Uh, Dude, Stephen that that Stephen Cole, Stephen Colbert. Sorry to interrupt you, right? But no, uh, okay. Steve, on, on Colbert, I've been watching his. I've been watching the YouTube clips of his monologues because they've been very funny um, since the election. I mean, they're usually funny, but very funny since the election. And uh, they they're frequently covering Trump, but they have a practice that they never said. They never said it out loud. Anytime they sh- they show like news clippings or tweets and things, and anytime the name Trump is mentioned, it's T star 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 star. They never mm. they never show the word Trump. That's on really funny. Airport. It's really I funny. Hate that so um, much. The, oh, yeah. the the thing that I took away from the the daily episode, or one thing that I learned, and maybe this was was uh, news a while ago, but uh, did you guys know that you need to get so when you get the vaccine. You get uh, one dose, and then you need to come back two weeks later and get a second shot. Oh wow! So um, the interesting thing that they're one of the things that they're worried about. Number one is is they were saying that like when you hear forty million doses will will be available initially, then you immediately have to cut it in half. So it's like twenty yeah. million people can okay. get it right. Um, but but and I think that that might be the number in the states for the first uh, first group of people. But the the interesting thing is that they're worried that people will get the first shot, and then how do you keep track of them to make sure that they come back and get the second one? Oh like, my god! Obvi- like obviously, you know, you would hope that people would be sort of aware enough and know that they have to come back and get the second mm-hmm. one for it to be valid. But like when you're talking about a large population like this, like it's a very real um, like fear around having people just not turn up for their second dose, and like yeah. whether they're whether they've moved in between that period or they're out of the state or province or whatever, like mm. it's, it's interesting to think about how they're going to keep track of it. Like it's, it's, it's really a, a sort of logistical nightmare in a sense. Yeah. I think well, the answer is obvious. What is, forced, what is that? Forced to detainment. <laughs> right. Two week. Yeah. To two week, two week forcible detainment. Well, they're already doing that with kids in, in the United States, right at the borders. Yeah, it's way ahead of the curve, right. yeah. always. They've, Christ, in, in poor taste, but also God. funny. God damn it. <laughs> um, um, uh, coming back to this article, uh, speaking of uh, of logistics, uh, speaking at a media conference, Fortin, uh, who is a uh, member of the federal government, uh, Danny Fortin. Fortin said, although Health Canada is still reviewing approval for vaccines, the federal government and provinces are working on a rollout plan and will do a trial run next week. Quote, we're not going to wait until the end of December. We are getting ready so that when it becomes possible, we are poised to distribute, he said. Fortin said the vaccines that require colder storage, such as Pfizer and Moderna, are most likely to be first distributed in January. But the initial shipments of vaccines to arrive in Canada called Track 1 will be rolled out differently. For example, for example, Moderna's vaccine will first be shipped to one location in Canada and then sent to communities across the country. But the Pfizer vaccine will be sent directly to the communities, according to the federal government. So, yeah, it's just like it, it's so it's so fascinating, right? It's like we have this thing that's that's like wreaking havoc on every community across the country. And then there's there's like these these like magical medicines that have been made in record time. And then there's the wild like process that needs to happen so that those those magical medicines can get into the hands of the people that need it and the layers 
oh, to yeah. that process is just mm-hmm. like do you remember Fucking in mind numbing, you know? In uh Contagion, the way that they did it in Contagion was they did it by birthday, like the same way that they did the that they did the draft for the military in in, oh, in yeah, like okay. Vietnam. They did it by birthday yeah. and they raffled the birthday dates. And it's like if you're month and day January 5th, baby. Um it's not not that way because it's a <laughs> So it's not just like January 1st, January 2nd. Oh, but did you guys see did that? you say raffle? I mean, I'm thinking about raffling off my van. I'm sure we'll talk about oh, that yeah, later. Oh, yeah, he's planting after. seeds. <laughs> did you guys see that um, That there's the vaccine? So um, obviously the big news the big news was 95% effectiveness for the Pfizer one and I think also for the Moderna one. Um, and and But I read the other day in some financial news the – that it is it's 95% effective to prevent you from getting um getting covid um and developing um you know sickness from covid but it's 100% effective 100% from a preventative uh, of serious cases so mm-hmm. 100% yeah. 100% against like the 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 cases that need hospitalization which is the which is ultimately the thing that has been fucking up the world is the hospitalization part. And Mm -hmm. to all the listeners who just hate when we talk about facts, even though we are not professionals whatsoever, uh, good news. We're going to be talking to someone about vaccines in the coming uh, weeks. So stay tuned because I think I saw a schedule invite from Lauren with Mm -hmm. a guest who has something to do with vaccines. So Mm -hmm. that'll be really fun. And we can talk about that. Uh, when we have that professional, thank you, Lauren. Vaccines, thanks, Lauren. Mm-hmm. But but why 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 don't we just continue to speculate? It would be uh, more fun to. Uh, yeah. Well, how about, uh, how mean, about why this? don't why don't why aren't we getting the other side of the of the of the of the opinion and getting some some of my aunties on here? Well, it's funny you to... say that, Taylor, because that's the, I was gonna make that joke. I was gonna be like, oh, that's awkward because it's actually an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> I want to facilitate. A conversation oh, between a immunologist oh. and that would be fun, and, and one of my auntie, <laughs> one of my auntie homies. That would be really fun. <laughs> I mean, like, like I would just sit back. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even try. I would just go. Oh, it would do, be like it'd be I like watching it. Bill Nye debate the guy from the Creationist Museum. I don't know if yeah. you ever watched that. It's yeah, totally yeah. batshit crazy. Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of um, of uh, speculation. Would you guys, I'm going to give you two options here. I like this option thing that, that uh, we did last week. Let's do it again uh, before we throw to our, our amazing conversation with Dr. Quadjo uh, from the Quadcast. Um, uh, so I, would you like to speculate about meat or meat? Uh, I mean, for sure. Wait, if, you, uh, if you need me to give it to you one more time, yeah, would you like you, to speculate? I want, yeah. I want, yeah. Can I get a language of origin? Can you give me the definition? Meat or <laughs> meat? Mm. I think I'll take the second one. I think I would prefer the first one. Well, it's a tiebreaker, Lauren. Which one? Which one are we going with? Meat or meat? Listen, we have to go with the second one because ah! for me, because for me, it's not about meat. It's about like which animal. This is okay. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You know what's coming. This is a, this is a wild, wild article. Um, so you know we've we've talked about we've talked on the show at length about uh, about the effects that humans are having on the environment, and you know the environment, the the health 
of the environment. Well, I mean, um, still very much up for debate, but dude, I, yeah, I, 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 okay. I, all right. I just want to quickly interrupt and say that I've, <laughs> I've constantly been thinking about the show utopia. I know I referred to it in our Patreon exclusive episode that we released yesterday, but utopia, man, such a good show. And I, and I can't stop thinking about it because when you were talking about distributing the vaccine, I was picturing this scene from Uto- utopia where they have a warehouse full of the Russian flu vaccine. But now I feel like I'm thinking about another thing from utopia because in utopia, they were like, concerned about the amount of human beings on the planet mm-hmm. and they wanted to to call the human race because they were worried that it was going to become overpopulated will this solve yeah. this problem jerry what, what, what i'm can what you start i'm from the to... beginning because all I, all I was thinking about was a climate change joke and um <laughs> and i wasn't okay. actually listening so uh so this is uh this is a little article about how uh, how we're having a bit of an effect on the climate and it's having an effect in, in ways that we could probably never have, would never have imagined. The title of this article coming from CBC news, uh, from David Thurton, weaker penis bones in river otters linked to oil sands contaminants in a new study. I, so wait. everyone loves an otter, right? Uh, cute little fucking otters adorable. are my preferred um an otter or an otter no an otters are my preferred partner <laughs> no, no 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 just an otter like those little guys that carry rocks on their bellies while they while I they like swim too. swim on their back guys like um, otters keep rocks in their armpits they hold hands that's they, they hold hands when they sleep with one another oh yeah. stop so um cute. Uh, but this is this article is all about their penises getting really weak. So uh, a new study has found that hydrocarbon contaminants, typically associated with oil sands operations, are contributing to decreased penis bone strength among river otters. Why do they have bones in their penis? So yeah, so that that is a that is a thing. There's a there's a number of animals in the world that have bones in their penises. Hmm. Walruses are one, and they have very large bones. You could like almost as big as a walking cane. Um, that might sound like a quirky bit of science clickbait, but the study's primary author warns that his findings could have broader consequences for wildlife and human health in the oil sands region of Northern Alberta. Quote, we've demonstrated how the bone health measure, the penis bone is tied to exposure to certain trace elements and to hydrocarbons. I, I says Philippe Thomas, I gotta say, it's like, <laughs> it reminds me of that thing of, uh, of, you know, how like the, the, anal glands of a beaver excrete like the most the most exquisite scent um and 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 flavor of flavor of vanilla and it's like who was the first person that was like Mm. i'm gonna see what this butt gland tastes like dude it's the same thing with this where i'm like who was the scientist that was like hmm they have bones in their penis let's uh (laughs) let's measure them and and take bone density readings and and then See what we can see, spin up see, from that. See, to me, that is weirder because the the vanilla thing. I could imagine that they were like cutting open a beaver, and then they like cut it open, and they like nicked the 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 sack or whatever, and it oh. and it smelled like vanilla. And they were like, yes. "Oh, yeah. geez, that's a vanilla scent." Yeah, and then, like a, and then somebody yeah. tasted it who was weird, but like, yeah. but the person who was like like tickling the little um, otter penises and we're like, actually they're, no. they're seeming to get softer over time. Do you think yeah, that, that that's how I just want to, I just want to remind people that oh if you are eating a, a cheap, like 
candy treat that has vanilla flavor in it. Mm. The odds of that being no, not anymore, Taylor. From it, from no, no. expensive vanilla extract. No, no, no. no. It's not slim. anymore. It's it's not beaver. It, they don't do that anymore. The beaver. Are you Grand, sure? They, yeah, that's over now. But but for a long time it was. Our our parents when our parents were. Are you sure? When the ice cream man came by and our parents gave that guy a nickel and they got a, a vanilla ice cream. They were just the slopping, up, slopping up <laughs> fever butt. Um, uh, hmm. So again, this came from Philippe Thomas, a wildlife toxicologist in, with Environment and Climate Change Canada. Uh, the male river otter has a penis bone, or here's the name of the bone, a baculum. It's uh, typically long, curvy, and slender. Sounds familiar. <laughs> the study says river otters are considered a sentinel species, one which can register the effects of environmental contaminant, contaminants before other species. That's really interesting. So uh, brittle penis bones, oh, poor little guys, brittle oh. penis bones could impair the species' ability to reproduce, obviously, affecting other species up and down the food chain. With the help of local trappers, researchers analyzed river otter livers and their penis bones uh, I'm a 32 year old man. The The specimens <laughs> came from a range of locations, both close to and far away from oil sand sites in Alberta. Quote, we do find for the most part that the river otter baculum is stronger, stiffer, and denser mm. at the low impact of those control sites. So in areas with usually lower levels of some of these hydrocarbons, Thomas said, um, pretty fucking interesting. Eh? Well, I mean, I mean it's like, I mean, I love it. Screw the future generation of our children. We need to rally right now on climate change so that we can make these dicks stronger. <laughs> That's Wait, what I believe. Water dicks. <laughs> I bet that because you know how you can like end up in emerge get your dick broke. I think that's what's happening. All these otters are going to the otter emerge, and more and more of them. All the doctors are like, "Why are all these otters' dicks breaking? It must be all the hydrocarbons." Guys, I, I want to go to the next climate rally that's here, and I want to have a sign that says "Save the otter dicks." Save the otter dicks. Yeah, and, and I, be actually correct. Yeah, <laughs> and relevant to the march. <laughs> I think we could really contribute. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, folks, listen, we are very elated to throw to this week's guest for Feel Good Friday mm. uh, because this is a guest that most certainly made us feel good. Uh, Dr. Kwajo Kira Mintang. I, I probably butchered that, but I think I might have got it. Um, Dr. Kwajo is, uh, is a physician. Uh, a doctor at the ICU, the Montfort ICU in Ottawa Hospital, uh, who works in critical care and palliative care. Uh, he also has his own podcast, uh, which I was had the pleasure of being on. Uh, he likes to call it the Quadcast. Um, and uh, this guy is a fucking treat. He's a real gem. And uh, we talk we talk all about um, you know sol- solving the issues within healthcare um, and, and all about healthcare efficiency and access. So uh, we hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did because this uh, Dr. Quadjo is the fucking man. And without further ado, enjoy our combo. Get this ball rolling. Oh, he's ready. <laughs> the quads are the quads are flexed. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, all right, we are hanging out here with our new friend, Doctor Quajo Kiermantang. Pretty good, Kiermantang. 
Caraman Tank. Fuck. God damn. I was like, no, it's hey, all I'm good. Gonna, I'm going to quit it right off the bat. <laughs> uh, you did come with some confidence, though, Jeremy. I, I, you, look like you, I, you were like, oh, I'm coming out of the gate with this one. <laughs> I got this. It's 90% confidence, really. It's, 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 that's what it's all about. Amen. Uh, 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 Quadjo, the question I always ask our doctors when we have them on the show is uh, is this. Are you a Are you a doctor doctor or a smart person doctor? <laughs> I love it because I'm married to a, a smart person doctor. <laughs> That's where we're going. Yeah, I know. I um, I have a a load of uh, I guess doctor doctor isms. Like I mm. I trained initially in internal medicine, and then I decided to do a dual training in palliative care and mm. critical care, which means ICU people on life support. What you've seen on the news. With COVID and such, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I'm I'm the quote unquote doctor doctor, doctor but doctor. married to the smarter one. Yeah, yes, yes, I, yes, I was gonna yeah. say, so you're a real doctor, but I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. Oh, my wife, right now, she heard this, would come and drop kick me in the chest if she knew that I was throwing down. I apologize to all the, the, the fake doctors out there. See, you know what? I, I just want to give a caveat, real quick. I, see, I'm an identical twin, so I'm a real twin. Anybody who's a fraternal twin, they're just fake twins. Yeah. So Jeez. I'm allowed to say that. I'm allowed to say. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. No. <laughs> just just dropping shots. Yeah, um, Brian. Brian. Brian has a. Brian has a. Uh, for some reason, he's got a hate on for PhDs. It's such a. It's such a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, Quadjo, you are. You're not. Not only are you a doctor, doctor, but you are also a podcast host, host of Solving Healthcare podcast. Um, let's start off. Tell us about the podcast. What like. Well, so you're you're a, you're a fucking doctor. How do you have a? How do you have time to podcast on the side? And B, is your what is your? I mean, the, the title of the podcast sounds like it's pretty, uh, pretty in line with the work that you do. So tell us about the podcast. What's it all about? How did that? How did that start? Yeah, uh, thanks for the question, Jeremy. And like, I think w- where it came from was the uh, it started from research actually. So. One of the things that we were noticing was how inefficient the healthcare system is and like mm. how we would do these short-term cuts and it would affect people's outcomes and it was just so short-sighted. Like I'll give you a quick example. I remember I was, uh, I was training and I was really like in- engaged in this, in this kid's recovery. He had a traumatic, uh, like involved in a car accident. Uh, I was uh, paraplegic. Um, he had a tracheostomy, so just needed the trach to help with his his ability to breathe. And it, it was a month of chest physio, uh, getting him stronger, and all these things. And um, and and we go into a long weekend, and he's reliant on the chest physio. We go into a long weekend, and and we have no chest we had no chest physio. The physiotherapists aren't there, and he plugs up and goes back to the ICU for another three weeks, all because of these short term. Oh cuts and it was just it was mind-boggling to think that you were going to have this short-sightedness where we have so many inefficiencies in the healthcare system and we're not benefit we're not providing buddy with the care that he needs it was just too much for me so i i I developed a research group called uh, resource optimization network just looking at ways of how we can make healthcare more sustainable like be more efficient with our money we're producing these papers and guys, like, we were getting nowhere. Like, no, nothing was changing. And so I was like, you know what, man? Let's try and get the word out in other ways. Let's try this podcasting flavor. 
you know, I've never, you know, I listen to podcasts and I'll be like, okay, mm -hmm. a little spice in there, you know what I'm saying? And uh, and I, my world has changed. My world has changed. Uh, yeah. uh, things have gotten so like it's just tremendous. Here, you know, we our, our show, we do a lot on the patient experience, what we've learned from our patients. Um, we've done a lot of COVID material just to kind of have that balanced approach because what you hear in the media is very one-sided and fear mongering and, you know, we, I, we live it. And so we're trying to have that balance, um, just a holistic way to, to approach your health and, you know, and just ways that we could improve healthcare, improve healthcare delivery. And cause there's so much that needs improving. And so, yeah, the, 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 the podcast spawned and, Boys, like we're not here unless unless that podcast was uh, yeah. born, and I, yeah. I, yeah. I, it's been a gift, man. It's been a true gift. Well, it's sweet to uh, it's sweet to have you on here, and I mean, we we've, I feel like it. One of the reasons why it's it's great to talk to somebody who's really got their their foot in the door on on what we can be doing and thinks about what we can be doing to improve the healthcare system is is really is really great because we talk to so many people and we hear we hear stories of how. We hear stories about how the healthcare system has has made a massive impact and been really positive experience for a lot of people, and then we also hear the other side of it. And when we hear the the negative side of it, it seems like that's always those are always the the, the stories where we go, why is that that way? Ooh. Why is it? Why does that turn out that way? And similar with your story with with the guy who who needed the chest physio, it's like you hear that and you don't understand why. What are some of the things? What are some of the things that? Um, that are like I know, and and saying this knowing that healthcare is so complex and complicated, um, and affects so many people. But what are the, some of the things that jump out at you um, that that you have been wanting to talk about and make sure that people know um, is going on and and things that that could change? Yeah, I love the question, Taylor, because I got a non sexy answer, but it's <laughs> it's one that would have a huge upside. I think similar to. Uh, you know, you guys have do, done a great job of, of addressing, you know, trying to normalize death. Like, you guys know that 100%, you know, obviously we, we all have 100% mortality here eventually. And this is a, a, a thing in medicine where people are afraid to address it. And look, I'll just give you a, an example of, of some of the things we see. We have grandma who's in a nursing home who's 93 years old, who's got dementia, doesn't recognize her family, comes to hospital all the time with infections. <laughs> Quality of life is poor, even based on what sh she would express if she could speak for herself. You know, that conversation never happens if, you know, if you needed to be on a ventilator or if you were near the end of life, how would you want to spend your last days? So it doesn't get addressed. So what happens is they get transferred into the intensive care unit at three in the morning because no one's asked the question or they ask the question like, what do you want us to do as opposed to what do we think we should do? Mm. And now that patient comes into the ICU, gets a tube in her, in her mouth that goes into her lungs, it gets all these invasive lines, gets poked, prod, prodded, suctioned, is uncomfortable, and her outcome stays the same. Meanwhile, you know, that, and it's not all about dollars, but that admission probably cost about, Ooh. so three, three days in ICU for something like that would be about 12 12000 to $15,000, you know? And just think about what you could yeah. do with that that money, you know, like drugs that people aren't getting, um, treatments that they're not getting, uh, physio that they're not getting. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's so inefficient. And it's often care that people don't even want. Like we, we got a study coming out um, where we looked at 12 patients in our intensive care unit who received care that not only the, the healthcare team thought was futile, but also the patients expressed that they wouldn't have wanted aggressive care like this. Eight patients, sorry, 12 patients cost $8 million to the system. Like, like when you think about it, it's insane. Like yeah. 1% of your gross domestic product goes to treating critically ill patients. And like 1% of a lot, boys, is a mm. lot. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And, and like, and like I got this buddy uh, who I work closely with, Mike Hartwick, and just to give you like the context of the money, you know, we, he's got, uh, his kids went to a school where they had, they, they fed kids in the morning, like the breakfast program. Cool. And they had to shut it down because they didn't have enough money. And I remember talking to Mike. I'm like, well, how much money do they need? And they're like, a thousand bucks. I'm like, motherfucker, for a thousand bucks, we're not feeding kids. Meanwhile, we're flogging Grandma mm. Gertrude, mm. who's getting care that she doesn't even want because we're too uh, nervous about addressing death. Like, not even asking the mm. question. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what kind of care? Like, what kind of care would you be referring to in a moment like that? You know, like what is what like because I I feel like there's probably someone who's listening right now who who might have a hard time wrapping their head around a form of care that is taking place in an ICU that the healthcare professionals think is futile and the you know whether it's the family or the person who's getting the care doesn't even doesn't even want like what what would be an example of that kind of care. So, so I'll give you a, like to be more concrete. So, you know, in going through an ICU admission, you 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 have a goal in mind. So, whether that is to survive, whether you know, like if it's any of us that go through ICU, we'd want some form of quality of life, be able to walk out, what or what have you. So, when patients come in, one of the things we assess is what their goals are and can they be attained. Okay, mm. so for grandma that's been in the nursing home that's been already suffering for the last part of her life and now is going to get through even more suffering because the thing about going through an ICU admission is that it's very difficult. It's not you, fun. Yeah. No, like if you're, you want to drink, you can't. If you want to put your hands towards your, your mouth, you get, your arms get tied down. Um, you get suctioned, uh, which feels like you're drowning. Um, you get poked when you don't want to be poked. And all these things we're doing, often we know that we won't be able to achieve your goal. And mm -hmm. it comes down to communicating. It comes down to addressing the goals mm -hmm. of care and being, and being upfront about it and having that mean of meaningful conversation, which mm -hmm. is lacking. So like when Taylor asked, like, what's, you know, like an easy fix? Like if all of us one day just sat down with any of our family members and just said, you know what, like... When we hear Dr. K on Sick Boy, did you hear that him throwing down about like all that ICU stuff? Like, what do you think? Like, you know, if you couldn't talk for yourself, if you couldn't communicate with family, what do you think? And I, I'm like, for example, me and my wife, we, we know this. Like, if I can't interact with my family, if I can't recognize my family, if I'm in a comatose state that doesn't look like I'd get out, I would uh, not pull through. She knows I, what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it, we're, we're clear. But there's a lot of people out there 
yeah. with terminal disease too mm-hmm. that have never had these conversations. But yeah. it, it, it sounds almost like it's a problem with the system too because you mentioned, you know, say grandma comes into the hospital at three in the morning. Like there's nobody there to make the decisions. If she has dementia, she can't speak for herself. And the doctors right now don't have the authority to make decisions like that unless there's like something like an advanced directive in place right so but it's you, not supposed saying, to be the it's not supposed to be the up to the up to the the the, the physicians to make a decision no, no, for somebody I, else absolutely and i understand that like it's up to the person to have something in place before that so that they're what they're yeah, advanced so that their expectations are, whatever, are clearly yeah. communicated yeah. and dr k is talking about like clear communication and almost this like fear of death and dying that kind of mm-hmm. prevents people from even going there mentally is like is it is it that like is it does it boil down to communication absolutely brian like you're nailing it buddy like it's it's a a matter of us you know like even the, the situation I, i'm saying in the middle of the night like some people may have um may have had these conversations earlier, but they don't have proof of it. They don't have their advanced yeah. directives. They've, they haven't updated them. Um, you know, so like there are systems in place to give us a guide, but they're not always there. And, and that's, the, that's part of the problem is like if, if we had, if I know I'm going into a long-term ter- care facility, which by the way, your prognosis, once you enter that building, is very poor. Like we're talking less than a year or two of, of, of life. Like everyone in there should have some very clear directives, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and if you feel like you you would want to live at all costs, that's fine. But we need to know that, you know. Yeah. Like uh, we just need that uh, to have that guidance so that we can. Because you've can gone perform. in there with that, right? Like you, like as as physicians, you've gone in there. You've got the Hippocratic oath. Your mission is, unless otherwise directed. Like you're staying alive. That's yeah. my Ooh. mission, right? So yeah. you've you've had that communication amongst yourselves and 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 in your profession, and then like we need uh, as uh, civilians isn't the right word, but as uh, like uh, you know normies, public, I think is no, the word. Norm, normies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to up. We need to have. We need to have. We need to uphold our end of the bargain of, of making it clear to you what we want, Ooh. so that and I, I mean it is it is wild to think that that is that it is as simple as that. It kind of make, reminds me of, of, of like or, or organ, organ donors, you know, mm. like if, if you don't put that on your card, mm. then, and, and there's, and how many people out there in the world are all for donating their organ, but they just forget to check the box or whatever when they, when they go to the DMV or wherever you do that. And, and then, and, and how detrimental that ultimately is to the healthcare system as a whole and to people's mm. livelihood and, and ability to like live full and meaningful lives. If we just, <laughs> if we just up, uphold that end of the bargain in communication, then it would make such a massive difference. Oh, man, you guys are killing it. Uh, but what, one thing I'll add to that, Taylor, though, is like, it's on us docs too, man. Like, I'll, I'll give you an, a, a, an example that's not very intuitive. I remember being involved in a case where, where somebody had a, a clearly a terminal illness. It's the middle of the night, and um, they're, they're having trouble breathing, okay? And the, the junior doctor goes on the phone with the family member and says, uh, you know, he can't, uh, loved one can't breathe. What do you want us to do, okay? And it sounds like an intuitive decision, like, hey, like, what do you want us to do or whatever? But, like, how is that an informed decision? 
You know what I mean? That's like going to your mechanic and you got some something messed up under the hood and be like, "What do you want? What do you want me to do?" I'm like, "I don't know what you want me to do. like." You figure You're the it one out. that knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right, so like right. one of the clear <laughs> onuses on us docs, and this is this is where we're at fault is that we don't guide or come up with a, a recommendation often enough. Like it's different to say, "What do you want us to do?" as opposed to say, "Based on." The, the disease getting worse based on the fact that we've done everything already, based on the fact that we feel like dad won't be able to come off a ventilator and that he would suffer, I think we should move towards making dad comfortable and allowing him to die peacefully. That is a lot different than what do you want us to do? It's, that's one of the worst questions you could ask a patient, to be honest with you. Like, do you think that doctors are afraid of influencing people if they... You know that they put that they put this decision, up and you know they are thinking. You know, to my, to the in my in my professional opinion, this is this is the state of this person right now, and this is the likelihood and all that stuff. Do you think that there's that hesitation that you know I put that out there and I I, I don't know. I mean, I mean because mm-hmm. it's such a, because it is like a light. You know, in a, in some cases it is a life and death. It's a life and death thing in the situation we're talking about. That that physicians are going, man, this is uh, you know I I don't want it to be on me that I that I influence influences person's decision, even though, even though it is, you know, it's our job, my friend. Yeah, Taylor, right. honestly, it's, it's, I, I'm not, there's a lot of reasons why I think it doesn't happen. Maybe part of it is our own fear of death. Maybe it is that kind of not wanting to feel guilty, but I'll tell you what, man, we are, we took an oath to be, uh, to be, and we have a lot of responsibility, and, and a lot of a lot of people look to us for, you know, uh, for advice and 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 how to approach these things, and we should own it. Like, mm-hmm. like I'll give you another example. We uh, I remember seeing a family member, this older guy. He had a super bad bleed in his brain. Like, it was not survivable. And he had an advanced directive, in fact, that said, you know, he wouldn't want to live if he wasn't able to take care of himself. And there's, there's siblings, uh, uh, a daughter that's the power of attorney and the two brothers that are coming in from out of town. And, you know, they come in out of town. They haven't seen dad in forever. They're like, yo, he's a fighter. We got to do this or whatever. And the, the daughter is advocating based on his expressed wishes and knowing what dad would really want. And if we ask that family, what do you want us to do? Now there's that, that dynamic within the family. Like, you fucked up that relationship in that family by asking that question. Because yeah. if they Maybe go forever. ahead and withdraw, exactly. They'll be like, mm. you know, Dawn, it's her fault that uh, dad died and pulled the plug. Like, that's on her. Like, mm-hmm. you, I'm not, they're not going to, uh, that could mess up their, that relationship lifelong. Whereas if I said, you know what, we really need to do what dad would want. It's clear that he, this is what he would want. Um, this is what we recommend. This is what we, we need to do. And they're mad at me. I can live with that shit. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? At least that relationship is, is, is intact. I'm not going to see these guys again. You know, like I, this, we got to own it. You know, yeah. you got to put all that pressure on family. You know what I mean? Like, stop thinking about ourselves and think about what's best for the patient and that family. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, this is too philosophical. I just think sometimes we're in our own heads too much, but it's all about the patient in front of you, the family in front of you, and, and do the right thing. Yeah. Well, mm. it's, it's also, it, it's funny because 
even before you said that, I was thinking about how like our society like sort of gets off on the idea of like miracles and people coming back from like like near death experiences and and like even though those statistically are like one in a million chances that something like that will happen, people want to believe that they're possible for their loved ones because mm. they don't want to imagine a world without them. But mm. like it comes back to the point we were making at the beginning here that a hundred percent of us are gonna die. We're all going to die. So how do we have those conversations where we become more comfortable with that idea so that when we're in these situations where we have to make really challenging decisions about you know, saying goodbye to our loved ones, that we're able to say goodbye and not, not yet? Yeah. And, and, it, and I think I got, uh, I got three, bo- three sons. And I think about if I never had these these talks with my, my loved ones and they got to agonize over this shit mm. and I'm putting that on them? Like, nah, mm-hmm. man. Like, let's just, let's just hash it out once. Mommy knows what, what I would want and, you know, she could advocate for me and uh, then there's no question with the boys. Like, the boys don't mm. have to figure out what I would want. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they know it. They've heard it from me. It's written down somewhere. Um, mm. I just, like... <clears throat> Even just for the family dynamic, and you know, I think it's just so important. Yeah, yeah. and when you bring it, it, and when you bring it back to do- when you bring all that back around to what the conversation started as, which is like, which is dollars and inefficiencies in the healthcare Ooh. system, and you go, you know, I'm totally making these stats up. I have no idea what what, what this is, but just for example, like you get a hundred people, and you say to those hundred people, you know, statistically. Uh, you know, f- 15 of you are going to end up in, in, you know, some serious, serious care at some point in your life. And that's going to, and, and, you know, X amount of you will probably be in a shape where it's, you know, really not that great of a situation. And, Ooh. and if you just are clear about what you want, we can estimate that that will save X amount of money that then goes to like, which is, you know, like 1% of a lot is a lot is going to go yeah. to these other things that are going to change people's lives in a way that that we want to change people's lives in a way that is like substantial and not just prolonging the suffering that you don't even want to go through anyway. Yes. Yes, Taylor. This is the thing. Like it's uh, in, in economics, they call it opportunity cost. Like if you're going to put that, like it's a fixed amount of flow, you know, there's a fixed amount of dollars out there. If you're going to put that into, you know, into care that people aren't benefiting then there's, there's less money that you could put into stuff that would yeah. also give you way more bang for your buck. Like, mm-hmm. to me, um, I don't want to forget about donation, by the way, because that's a, a, another monster one. But um, if you could do, like, you know, uh, put money into stuff like into prevention, like mm. pre- put, put your resources into uh, preventing people from coming in our door. Like that is yeah. one of the most efficient ways of 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 of, of uh, investing, because yeah. yeah, the mm-hmm. second you come in, not only does it cost the system a lot, but you end up like shit. You mm-hmm. come out, you come out like you're if you're 25 and you come in with a wicked pneumonia, like one of the syndromes we call ARDS. Uh, you might see it on the COVID talk. If you get come in with this really bad pneumonia on event for a couple weeks, you're not the same person even after a year. Walking up the steps, you're still short of breath. You know what I'm saying? Like, just what do we? What can we do to prevent y'all from walking in the door? Get healthy, get strong, get your nutrition game up. You know what I'm saying? Promote getting to that gym. You know what I'm saying? Flex it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, let's go.
Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You know, we've been talking a lot on the show lately about... Um, about Trikafta, right? This like this this miracle drug that has come out that is like making waves in the cystic fibrosis community, and like having access to a simple two day pill a day, you know, medication, completely altering the way that you interact with your or or you know the the way that you deal or manage your your chronic condition. Mm-hmm. It's gonna it's gonna cut back way 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 more the amount of times that the amount of time that you're spending, whatever fucking living in a hospital room, yeah. you know, and the infrastructure the, that full of set IV antibiotics CF. or yeah mm-hmm. or yeah or or you know absolutely like being on a wait list for a lung transplant or what have you, short sightedness. Yeah. It's always short sightedness. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it, it, it's exactly it, Jeremy. Like you're yeah. you're nailing that. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know, like we've talked about, we've talked about advanced directives like a little bit on the show in the past, but is is an advanced directive is that, is that like the is that like the key thing that anybody and everybody can really just like sit down, hammer out a little bit of homework, and like do in terms of ensuring that they themselves contribute to a more e- efficient healthcare system like is that one of the is that one of the simple things that like you know um megan who's listening in ottawa right now who's like for all intents and purposes like pretty healthy can she just sit down and bang out her advanced directive like is that one step that she can take to to kind of help the system i I think i mean (laughs) depending on megan's age and health like like if you're a baby boomer or on the higher end of the baby boomers mm. like this is the time man you're about to Definitely be a high, yeah, yeah right. you're like, like you're my gonna, dad should have his fucking advanced directive filled yeah, out and like, like to be honest with you it's not you don't even necessarily need it documented like that's nice it's nice to have that right. documentation but it's jeremy this is what i want if like in yeah. principles values yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. is quant- quantity of life more important than quality or vice versa like that alone because the doctors if they're doing their job when, when, if dad gets sick, they're going to tell you what the likelihood of a quality, a good quality of life is going to be. They should be yeah. able to give you a sense of that. Um, but this is, you know what I mean? So like, I don't want, like some people will be like, oh, I don't want to be on a ventilator for more than eight days. I mean, that's not helpful because it depends on what the cause is. Like there's, there's so many things change over the years, right? Like, mm. you know, like, and so it's more like the values, what the principles are important to you. And, um, so that for sure is important, and I've been, on, especially on the show with COVID, I've been preaching the uh, healthy living, metab- improving metabolic health. Yeah, make yeah. sure your weight is on point. Make sure you're 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 exercising, eating right. That honestly is a monster. Like yeah. um, amongst other things that would prevent you from walking through the door. Like that's. 
That's yeah. another. Huge yeah, and especially one. with COVID, like I mean, the the you know the, a lot of the stats coming out right now about about your overall health going into that scenario. Um, it, you know, God forbid you catch it if you're if you're not set up with like a pretty a pretty dialed in you know um, foundation for your overall health, then you're you're kind of you're kind of fucked. Yeah, you know, and, or, or at least you're you're setting yourself yeah. up to be. And, and Jeremy, just to reinforce that, like. <laughs> I want to emphasize this to people. Like, I see COVID patients since March. I was there at my hospital when our first COVID patient walked in the door. Mm. These patients, typically, there's always going to be exceptions. You're going to read about the exceptions in on social media. But the typical patient is not healthy. They are mm. not healthy. Mm. I can't think of one that, I, that wasn't either having diabetes, obesity, hypertension, or... Uh, really old and frail and have multiple medical problems. Like, mm. these aren't guys that are, you know, 50 that are jacked or that marathon run. Like, you know, like, it's it's one of the things that's been um, a bit settling with, with COVID is th- there is a predictability to it. Like, there has been more of the um, poor metabolic or unhealthy patients coming through as opposed to when this, like, H1N1 came. Like, mm. I could think of half a dozen patients that were, like, quote-unquote, like, healthy. 20-some-year-old mm. student and end up on the highest level of, of, uh, right. of uh, life support. Like, that, to me, was scarier. Because SARS, mm. like, because uh, that was, like, that, that, that condition was way, was way more harsh, right, on the average person, whereas COVID, COVID seems to be seems to be bad for people, like you said, you know, b- bad for people who get it that, you know, poor health, pre-existing condition of some, of some kind that, you know, makes them more at risk. But, mm. you know, if you're healthy, you know, like you said, w- healthy, weight on point, exercise, eat right, whatever, you know, it's not, it's, odds are way lower that it's going to affect you in like a really negative way or bring you to the hospital ultimately. Yeah. Whereas, sorry, was that like, was it like, I mean, I'm, I kind of re- like what was SARS? Two thousand two, two thousand three. So I was twelve or thirteen. I don't like. I was. I remember. I just remember that. Like, I just remember the bad thing con- happening. I, I just remember that sick concert that happened uh, uh, in, who, who, in memory who's, who's, of SARS to bring people back to Toronto. Do you guys remember that? Who, who, no. who who's rocking think, that concert? I, I think it was like Paul McCartney and like they, dude. They had they had like everyone and they played in Toronto and they're like, hey, Toronto, like. Tours come back, Toronto. Come we're back. good. Right. Come back. Because Toronto was, like, was, was a bad, like a bad place to yeah. be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. Like, it, well, yeah. yeah, I was like, so well, I, what I was talking about was uh, swine flu, so like 20 like swine flu, 2009. Yeah, right. And then this one, the SARS, I was a medical student in Alberta. So, like, Ooh. it was like a mystery to me, man. But <laughs> what, you, what you saw in the media was, yeah, like, People getting really sick. It's just the numbers weren't anywhere close yeah. to. It wasn't getting passed they, around nearly as much. Like the contagious, like how contagious it was, wasn't the same. Yeah, exactly. Right. Quadro, can I ask you about? Um, I'm so curious about this, like whole idea of short sightedness in the healthcare system, yeah. because I feel like we live in a day and age where it's so easy to communicate ideas through technology and get them to spread around and get people to buy into them and see the. You know, like I, I, I consider myself to be a pretty open-minded person, but, but as soon as I hear something that could benefit the masses, I'm like, fuck, like, let's do that. That sounds good. And you're doing research around, you know, looking into ideas and how we can make our system better. Yet when we started this conversation, you were kind of saying like, 
it seems like it's so hard to get policymakers and the government to like buy into these ideas that you know you have statistical evidence and data that shows that they're going to make a positive impact. What is it with that? Like why? Why What's is it so hard the, yeah, yeah, right. to make positive change? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love. I, honestly, I love the question, and it's there's a lot of things. One, um, I apologize for all my medical po- colleagues out there, but we're dinosaurs, man. We resist change like crazy, like yeah. crazy. Like there'll be evidence of, of 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 treatments in our in my world in the intensive care unit that have been shown to be proven to be effective that are ten years old, and we're still Ooh. slow to adopt this shit. I'm like, let's go, man. Let's bring on the innovation. Let's bring embrace the change. Yeah. And so this is part of the reason, like, w- with our show, like, we really try and focus on young healthcare professionals, like guys that are just starting the, the residency or the medical students now because they'll actually listen and be willing to adapt some change. And then the other part of it is, like, for policymakers and, and, and politicians and administrators, like, like they're punished if they don't balance the books. Like yeah. they, they, it's just the the system is flawed. Where long sightedness is impaired by you know if you or your your budget isn't balanced in, in two years in a row, you're not doing your job. So maybe we'll have to get rid of you instead of being I don't know chief financial officer. Now you're you know I don't know having to go to Safeway and I, I don't know Safeway. Does Safeway still exist? I guess yeah. be a bag boy. Anyway, it does. But yeah. like, uh, Sobeys, I don't know, um, but uh, it's it's just we don't we don't um, we don't set up decision makers so they can uh, have a chance to thrive or see things through because a lot of this is the stuff that we're talking about might be eight years down the road to see benefit like mm-hmm. something as simple like I you know this sounds very I don't know where you're political alliances lie, but it sounds very socialist. Hard but, right. Hard, yeah. hard right. <laughs> hard, hard right. right. <laughs> I'm pointing to my left. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but like something as simple as, like if you're looking for bank for your buck, if people knew they had a home to go to, like if they have a home, mm. this would solve so many health problems. <clears throat> yeah. it, it, mm-hmm. And it's and it's investing. It's, a, it's making sure that, uh, you know, there's um, there's a safe place to go that you know they're not, um, uh, you know, um, less likely to engage in riskier behavior, less mm-hmm. likely to need uh, healthcare resources that are immediate and long term. So you know, that's expensive, and you're not going to see the benefits for a while. But um, yeah, we talked to Andre Picard recently. Oh, you got Andre on the show? Yeah. yeah. Oh snap! Yeah, he's he's love ago. Andre. And he was, and, and was we, yeah, he's a baller. Man. I, I, I can't remember which one of one of us asked a question about, um, you know, mental health and, and mm. how he has seen in his career, like the arc of the conversation about mental health mm. over the last, uh, how his career, which like spans, you know, three or four decades. Um, and, and he, he kind of, he had some really interesting thoughts that really kind of, that were really thought provoking. And one of them was that, that like ultimately, at the like the pointy end of the mental of mental health, we're really not even scratching the surface because mental health in its most extreme form, you is comes in the form of homelessness, yeah. and and when people don't have a home, and the the knock on effect that that has, and like just that just kind of jogged my memory in in, in what you were saying there, but. Um, I learned that from Andre. He was on. He was on our early one of our early episodes too, and fantastic. it just kind of reinforced the mm-hmm. idea of, you know. 
<laughs> people need homes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, it's he's awesome. What you uh, what you said earlier there, um, when you said about the the uh, the tendency in the in the medical profession to to resist change and to you know you've got treatments that are ten years old that they're still not being adopted uh, fully by the um, by the profession. Do you think that do you think that COVID and you know all the shit that's going on with developing a vaccine and this like Operation Warp Speed and we're coming to market with this vaccine in like a year, a year and a half, two years, whatever, which is I think the fastest vaccine ever produced was something like four or five years, so you know much much faster. Um, do you think that will might, might force a bit of a change in the system if it works, if we get something that really works and that comes to that comes to the masses like super quickly and the medical profession sees this thing and are like, whoa, this happened in two years. Why aren't we, we maybe we should look at everything else a little yes. bit more yeah, critical. Ta- yeah, Taylor, that's brilliant because this is, we were talking about this too, how this is one of the few times I've appreciated in my career how people are legit embracing innovation and being way more nimble, way more willing to try new things. And it's benefited COVID patients tremendously. Like people don't realize like we've done like in terms of treatment when it came to COVID patients, we did like a 180 with some of this stuff, man. Like we were told initially, hey, do intubate these patients as soon, like early in their trajectory. That was backwards. No, and like, and now we we delay it as much as they physically could tolerate, and it's probably saved lives. You know, like, and these treatments that you know aren't going through the strongest rigor of evidence, but are pointing towards a, a benefit, and we've initiated them, like the decadron or the steroids, like that's something that we've initiated now, and I, I in my personal opinion, is is saving lives, mm. and so I really hope this is what what the result of this is going to be because um i mean physicians once again sorry my my people type a's risk averse don't want to do don't want to make mistake don't want to do harm so things that they don't know seem so challenging to to uh to uh invest in or to to integrate but you know when you're in a situation when you're in a pandemic when like lives are on the line and things you're, you're seeing some scary shit you know your people are willing, more willing to adapt so i hope you're right um mm-hmm. i i really because there's some honestly there's so much beautiful things that if we were to be a little bit more open-minded like integrating like tech in in more tech and innovation like like i have this like it's not a unique <laughs> idea I, but it's actually i don't know where the ideas come from anymore it's more <laughs> but because because um yeah because i'm all about um you know once again with covid about healthy living getting our our people healthier imagine if the government said you know you wear your wearable you wear your like i watch or or i watch is that a thing apple watch jesus <laughs> or fitbit yeah. yeah i got you and or a whoop or a whoop strap if you're these guys because they're 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 athletes. Whoop, so. I, whoop there it is. Sorry, sorry, that's horrible. Um, had to do it. it had, the door pass was open. It, pass it. <laughs> but um, imagine if you you gave incentives like you get ten thousand ten thousand steps for X period of time, you get a little bit of a tax break. You know what I mean? Use that wearable. T- it tells you exactly like you know. My you've mind been, is exploding. Boom. <laughs> 
I mean, dude, I, that's, I like it. I <laughs> but, would, I would fucking definitely hop on that people, for sure. Pe- people are gonna be like, "You're tracking me. What about my privacy?" No, absolutely. <laughs> you could, but you could, you could you submit it the yourself. Fuck out of that. No, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. I'm, a, I'm anti Big Brother too, a little bit. But like, I would submit it. And but yeah, like, right. you, you know what? It's in my hands. I'm like, here, this I is what. Right, yeah. There's if my that's data. That's gonna give you, you a tax break, and then you know, I mean, it's because again, when you're talking about these huge things, you know, Ooh. where we can find. Like more efficiency in the healthcare system. We're talking about millions of people. It is these. It you got to You're going. Got to go back to statistics. If you were going to say, hey, if the average person does ten thousand steps a day, that is going to you know reduce uh, reduce hospital visits uh, or like the onset of whatever. Pick your condition by yep. X percent, and that's going to reduce hospital visits, and that's going to reduce the cost of the healthcare system. And you can put a number to that. And Taylor, I'm just, you, this is what I'm saying about innovation. We could do that yesterday. We have yeah, the data. Yeah. Motherfucker, <laughs> Big Brother, we got all this stuff stored. Big yeah. Brother's waiting yeah. for us. Like, you went to Google Analytics and said, you, you, I got, I'm ready to do this project. They'd be like, okay, we will <laughs> yeah. pay for everything. <laughs> yeah, we've been there, waiting. There's, we've had um, this data for years. But <laughs> the, auto, the auto insurance companies, some auto insurance companies are doing that right now with tracking your, your driving. So like, if yeah. you're braking too aggressively, then they're going to up your rates. But if you're driving well and you're, you're slow braking, then, they, then it, it, it sends your, your expenses or your cost for insurance down, which yeah. is, which is a kind of wild, wild idea, wild. but like, yeah. Bri, I was. I, I, <laughs> Don't tell me how to break. We right? never, um, <laughs> we never, we never got this uh, sponsorship. But this was back in, this was uh, a few years ago when we did our show at South by Southwest. Um, I talked to a guy after we did our live show, and he worked for an insurance company, and he was a ch- in charge for the insurance company, a program where they, where they, they seek out sponsorships with like different things that are uh, promoting. Um, uh, like uh, healthy, active living. So it was all mm-hmm. about like uh, all mm-hmm. about uh, advocating for um, getting in, getting into activity and all this stuff. And it was a health insurance. It worked for a health insurance company, and yep. that was the whole thing. Was he was like, we need to get people doing this stuff so that we don't need to pay out yep. health insurance mm-hmm. because it's this massive, massive cost <laughs> to our massive, massive company, and we want to make more money. And so if we get people more healthy, which like you know. The, the the desire is profit, but the means are means is uh, is noble. You know, get people healthy, and um, and in our case, in like in a, in 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 a uh, socialized uh, healthcare, the 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 everything is noble about that. We're yeah. saving money for the taxpayers. We're saving money for the. We're we're, we're giving people better better care, and mm-hmm. and getting people more healthy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it, this is a, the thing too about it doing it now, like peri COVID. Not only are you, as you alluded to, Taylor, it, it affecting COVID lives, but cancer risk, uh, stroke risk, heart attacks, all this shit gets better uh, if we if we collectively get healthier. So mm-hmm. mental health, yeah, <laughs> yeah mental Actually, health, huge. So true, because like right now, like uh, like maybe too much disclosure, like we're in Ottawa. They closed down gyms and, and, and stuff during the COVID, uh, like we're on red alert. And and mm-hmm. it's just, you know, the message from a lot of our colleagues and, you know, for me too, like my gym is the release. That's a way of yeah. like, you know, and I mean, my job is uh, yeah. in a lot of ways ultra stressful. It's uh, high emotional stuff. And to be able to have that outlet is yeah. is, is, yeah. is massive and... And now we, we've taken it away from a lot of people, even though 
it's not a high outbreak scenario. Mm, anyway, yeah. I don't want to well, get I've too political. Yeah. I've heard Con- that. Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor tweeted the pretty much the exact same sentiment like yeah. yesterday. Yeah, like and, this. Like yeah. you could you could throw you could you could very much so make the argument um, that. And and throw and throw gyms into like essential um, essential services in the way mm-hmm. that, in the way that the the physical health that it that it obviously provides mm-hmm. and the mental health um, benefit that it yeah I mean I, mean, I would say obviously provides but I'm I'm sure that a lot of people would yeah. probably argue the statistics and, on and that the, but the thing about that is like you know it's it's like when we talked to Emily the the psychologist down in the U S who was like. You know, her goal is like to hopefully one day see brick and mortar like mental health gyms. Yeah. You know, we don't have that. We're, like that's not a thing right now. And so, like the the mental health gym is for a lot of people the, gym. the fucking gym. Yeah, like yeah. that's the place to that's the place to to move your body and to you know like and and it's we we all know like the science has proven doing that is 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 what helps your mental health. Like, it is one of the, mm-hmm. it is one of the key things to help yeah. your mental health. And so, you know. Boys, I think yeah. I'm, I'm married to a psychologist, and she's all, yeah, yeah, yeah right. and like, she's. And a smart doctor. Yeah, yeah she's <laughs> one of them smart smarties. And, uh, I mean, she's, she's setting up a, a yoga program, too, to help with uh, mental health, too, which obviously Ooh. is going to end up being virtual. But it's, as you said, this is a key to, uh, element for people to to have sound minds and locally it's hard because you know I know a lot of gyms that did a lot to keep their people safe and you know they from barriers to limiting the size and and washing equipment down it's just sad that they had to yeah uh, pay to, mm-hmm. had to shut down but yeah yeah it's a yeah. tough yeah. Uh, it's tough I mean and and again like like I understand like that that it is it's a tough it's tough to talk about because you talk about you talk about industry and you say well this one you know, we should open this one sector of business, and then the another sector of business goes like, "Well, what, mm. what the fuck? Like, why, yeah. why them and not us?" And yeah. I mean, that's where, like, that's what <clears throat> I mean. These are the times we live in, and the political circumstances of like this health crisis are just such so yeah. hard to navigate. I want to, I want to just come back to the innovation thing for one last time and share a point because uh, I was doing quite a bit of work here locally with the uh, health and life sciences sector, and I was seeing a lot of. Uh, doctors who became entrepreneurs who were creating these um, inventions around healthcare, and like, I, I again, I'm just making up this statistic, but like somewhere around ninety percent of them, the majority of them will say we're failing, and it wasn't because their ideas weren't good enough or or weren't going to be able to help in massive ways. It was because they couldn't get through all the red tape and the procurement process yeah. to actually get their yeah. uh, inventions adopted by our healthcare system. And the thing that came up, we did this little study with uh, those, those organizations and we found that what really needed to happen in terms of innovation was innovation around the procurement system because it wasn't the ideas that needed to be better. It was the, it, it had to become a more streamlined or easier, easier approach to actually get them to be adopted by, um, by the different systems that, that are already uh, in place. So it's so, it's so, it just blows my mind when there's like this really great idea mm. that is going to make people's lives better Brian, and you, it do you, can't. Do you, hey, hear some, do you want to hear something funny? I went yeah. to the CF clinic the other day. And uh, when I was sitting in the office, you know, I, I saw the respirologist, but the, you know, the nurse coordinator was in there. And uh, they were like, hey, just like FYI, we've got this new thing that we're doing here at the clinic. Um, we've got email. So, you know, 
if you want to e- if you want to like email oh the, the nurse coordinator, you can like you can set <laughs> things up through email. And uh, and I was like, You're, is this a joke? Is this a bit? I am. Dead serious. They're like, great. Yeah, Email's no. going to be Boys. dead yeah. next year. Yeah, and and like you know, like and and all, I, you know what, you know, it sounds like I'm I'm saying it in a way where I'm I'm laughing at it. But when 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 they told me that, I went, fuck, that's great, <laughs> right? That's yeah. fuck, man, that sounds awesome. Anything else in the pipeline? Like, do we got anything yeah. else coming? Like, because that's great. Can you guys may be working on an app, yeah. or because <laughs> like, like you could really it, use it's, that. It, it's that. It is that. You know. For whatever reason, it is it is that slow to to get anything through yeah. that you know. Boyd, I carry a motherfucking pager. You know what I'm saying? No, you straight, don't. straight up. No. If, I, if, I, if I was closer to the thing, I'd, I'd bust it out. Listen, I'll be playing hockey. I'll be playing hockey, and like the, the, the like, I remember a referee. Stopped and said, "What the? F- what? What is that?" Oh, and they're like, "Oh, no. my, it's, it's a pager or whatever." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Was like 1986 <laughs> yeah. called, okay? Yeah. Like, let's go. You know, like yeah. we still were faxing, okay? We did yeah. one of our early early shows was pre-COVID was on similar to what you're talking about. Email was virtual clinic. What we're doing right now, like if I'm your respirologist and you got a Jeremy, you're doing smooth. You're you're, you're chilling. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't I just come online right now yeah. and have this three-minute to eight-minute conversation with how you're yeah. doing, not tweaking your meds, any, none of that shit, because you're doing fine, instead of you hauling ass from your job or wherever you got to be to to go into that park, d- drive up, give, here, here's my card. You know what the motherfucking information is on the card. Yeah. You've seen it yeah. every time. It's on your file. Just look it up. You know what I'm Tell saying? Telemedicine. Yeah. Yes. medicine. But yeah. like it took a pandemic to for us to embrace it in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My, like it's my, it's ridiculous. My my mom uh talked to her GP on the phone like uh 2 hours ago. Uh, he called to check in on her and um she had, she had cancer about 3 or 4 years ago now. <laughs> and it was just a follow-up check-in call, see how she's doing. She hasn't had any problems. Um, he was just calling to see, make sure that she didn't need to see him for any reason, that everything seemed okay. And like it, for her, she was like, it's amazing. This, this supplemented the, the other visit that I would have had to go to. And now I didn't need to take the time to like drive over there. And, and they were on the phone for like five minutes and like the drive over there, the wait in the doctor's office, just to see them to say, everything's good. Is a fucking waste of time. Massive, yeah, yeah. yeah. massive waste of time. Yeah. And, but this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like, the, not to mention if you're in a rural community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about the people that live like you know in Truro or something that need to get into the QE2. Like, think like, the people who yeah. live in northern Labrador or yeah, fuck, yeah. fucking yeah. northern yeah. Nunavut. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That barely yeah. computes to my brain how like yeah. how challenging that must be. Archaic. Yeah. Uh, Dr. K, where can people find you? Where can people listen to the podcast? How can people, uh, you know, I, I have a feeling that uh, you're going to have a couple of fans uh, from, from our listenership. Uh, where can they, is there, are, you, are you online? How can people stay up to date with what you're up to? Oh, I uh, appreciate the plug. So solvinghealthcare.ca, you find all our shows. Ballin', uh, you can see, uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube at Quadcast. Um, pretty active on all uh, the platforms. We, uh, like I said, mostly these days we're doing a lot on uh, COVID and, and just trying to keep people level-headed, um, making sure people's mental health is on point right now. These are challenging times, but uh, boys, man, I, I gotta Dude. tell you, I feel 
like I've been psyched up. I, I'm on three hours of sleep. I was on call last night. I was a little bit worried about my like my filter game being on. Like I was gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be saying too much. Uh, like uh, you know what I mean. But this is amazing. And can I just say this, just to give a little love, you guys? Like what you guys are doing, normalizing, like the the, the death experience, dying experience, and having that open dialogue. Like I just before uh, joining, I, I heard an episode about Leighton. And uh, mm-hmm. truly inspired, like that was great, guys. Like well, those conversations, by the way, and and just keeping stuff real and also light. You know, like it's it's part of my job too. Like we see life and death stuff all the time, but you know, I I can't. I wouldn't be lying if I said we don't try and keep it light too. But what you're doing, man, affecting lives of people around uh, North America and the world, like it's it's something special. So you guys should be proud of yourselves. Thanks, man. Thank you so I, th- much. I think I speak for all of us when I say uh, we would absolutely love to do this again. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. You know what? You, you, anytime, boys. Anytime. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, all right. Thanks, Quadro. It was nice to meet you, man. This nice was to really meet fun. you. It was awesome. Yeah. There we go. That was it. Man, yeah, what a fucking sweet guy. I we just become guy. best friends. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, I, I, the other thing that, I, like, people can't see this, but, like, when we record, we use a, a program called Squadcast. So it's like we see each other in these little boxes on our computer. It's like Zoom, right? Quajo, and, like, his, his fucking, like, I don't know, his, like, living room or something, like, he, or it's, like, his home office. But you can see he's, like, he's got a standing work desk. And the whole time he's talking, he's just like on his feet, like kind of pacing back and forth. And it's like, oh, yeah. he's got, he's just like jacked very, up, very, man. Yeah. He's got yeah. so much energy. It's, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So yeah. really, he is, uh, he is intoxicating. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was actually suggested to us by uh, a listener. So I don't remember who it was. It was months and months ago. But uh, for those of you that, um, you know, know, get to know a doctor or professor, someone that you think would be a really good guest and you sauce along their name to me um, Ooh, in whatever way. I do sauce it over. I do check every person out and he was a great guest. So thank you uh, to yeah. the person whose name I forgot that Shout out to brought him to our attention. Shout out to that person though. You know who you are. You know who you are. (laughs) They do. They should. This Uh, is Feel Good Friday, and you, you listeners, should feel good about mm, that. mm, mm, mm. That's true. And Mm. hey, if you felt good about that and you felt good about this episode, uh, there are more episodes coming your way. Every Monday and Friday, you can listen to us wherever you find fine podcasts Apple Podcasts, Spotify. uh, I don't know. There's probably some others out there. CBC Um, Listen. ABC Listen. Hey, that's a good one. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, go give us a follow over on socials because uh, we love you. Yeah. And if you've got cool stories, slick stories, neat stories, fun stories, sad stories, inspiring stories, you can send them to letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be one of our amazing guests on the show, or if you want to sauce over uh, a name, uh, oh. a, a guest suggestion, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and just sauce her over right there. Just sauce it on, just sauce it on our way. Sauce it on over. You can one of the people you can sauce it to is uh is the co-producer of the show, uh Lauren Sankey. Um uh I just want to say, like, I know, I know, guys, I know it's gonna be hard to believe. I know it sounds like there's an army of people behind the show, but really it's just the four of us and our manager, Jeff Lonis, who is in our corner helping us out all the time. Um 
taking care of business. And then the guy who, you know, sort of edits this podcast, Donovan, the meerkat Morgan, uh, who is helping us out today, usually does the Monday episodes. Jerry usually does the Friday ones, but Donovan, um, you know, likes to step in when we need his help. So huge shout out to Donovan. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. We love you. And we, we appreciate you so much. And uh, the theme music is done by Rich O'Coin. We're talking roommate right now. Woo, baby. Bingo, yeah. And a big shout out to all of our 100 other minions that we employ um, that really just keep the machine turning um, yes. and do all of, do yes. all of these do all of the doing, things that, um, like, yeah, I mean, we just did. employ scores of people um, yes. just because, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously. This is a corporation. Yeah. That's and, I, and, yeah. and it's all happening overseas. And we thank you for your little hands that are making all those t-shirts. <laughs> oh, that, oh, oh, t-shirts <laughs> that are totally on sale. And they're really, really low cost, low cost t-shirts. <laughs> oh, man. You sell them super cheap. So <laughs> you can go get so that. so dark. <laughs> well, yeah, go to merch.sigboypodcast.com. Okie dokie. Uh, manufacturing places have collapsed. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, no, all we right, should that, maybe cut that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Donovan, I'll, I'll uh, leave that in your hands, buddy. Uh, <laughs> all right, folks, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Lauren. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.